preach the Gospel of John here. We're going to be towards the end of chapter 15 today. Let me go uh, disperse the cough drop quick. Sometimes you know with the fuzzy, fuzzy stuff, and, and right now it's uh, you're all just fuzzy wuzzies. <laughs> this is a little fuzzy too. So <laughs> let's pray. Awesome God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are crucified, risen, reigning, coming again, rock and redeemer. We love you, Lord. We want to learn to know and love you more and to be able to share you with others as well. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray your hand upon my eyes and upon my voice that you might be glorified and your word might come through clearly and sweetly and powerfully to glorify your name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're in the Gospel of John, having a great time with chapters 14, 15. We're going to be dipping our toes into chapter 16 today. This is all Last Supper stuff. So I know it's really hard for us to imagine, but we need to continue to try to place ourselves in the sandals of Jesus and especially the disciples at that last supper time that evening. They've now left the upper room, the meal's done, the washing of the feet, um, that, that meal is done, Judas taking the last morsel and, and leaving, deciding to uh, sell Jesus out anyway. All that's been accomplished already. Now they're on their way out to the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples are just in a turmoil, a tumult. Uh, their hearts being kind of, I want to say ripped open. Their hearts are just tender and, and uh, upset. Jesus keeps talking about, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. He keeps talking about peace. Let me give you my peace. My peace is different than Lord. Let me give you my peace. And they keep talking about, how do you do that? He says, trust in God, trust in me, then you'll have peace. So there's themes that keep on kind of popping up through this last few hours together. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have peace. Trust me. You gotta be, you gotta work at love each other, gentlemen. Quit beating each other up over who's gonna be the greatest and the highest in my kingdom. Get on your hands and knees and love each other. Serve each other. Keeps on keeps coming back to that love theme over and over. So Jesus is keeping it simple and is repeating himself a lot. So when you're just reading through, you go, I get that. I've heard that before. I'm going to wait a minute. Do we need God to keep things simple for us? Yes. Do we need him to repeat himself yeah. often? You know, I'm not hearing much from this side. Okay, thank you. This side's really verbal today. This side, not so much. But okay. So we need those things. God is the perfect master teacher. He knows how to do that well. So repetition um, over and over, he's doing that for us. Now he's been sprinkling in here just to, uh, later in, the, in chapter 15. Now he's been sprinkling in two or three times already. 
someone is key to trusting the Lord, having peace, loving others, and making an impact. Someone is key. Jesus says, I'm about to leave the scene physically, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am going to ask the Father. The Father's going to send you the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, we're still in the Pentecost season. We haven't done it for a long time, but I'm going to say that the responsive phrase. Pentecost has come. Welcome, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. You've got to welcome <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Invite him often. Daily is fine. Amen. Invite him often to be growing us, deepening us, filling us, baptizing us afresh and new uh, all the time. Holy Spirit is key to every one of Jesus' encouragements here in the gospel. Uh, so today, they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So think about how close they're getting to the time when Jesus won't be able to, to share with them until after he's risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. So they're on their way to Gethsemane. And Jesus is going to get very specific and very direct in this passage today. John chapter 15. Pick it up in verse 18. It's good. You're going to know right away in the very first sentence that we're getting serious, okay? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. That's just, I mean, has, I'm just trying to think, has Jesus ever used the word hate before? I mean, that, that word just jumps out and grabs us, amen? He says, now, Gentlemen, if the world hates you, have they experienced a lot of pushback and persecution yet themselves? Um, some with Jesus, certainly. The, the, he's been the focal point, obviously. He's doing the miracles. He's telling the parables that keep on uh, ticking off the Pharisees. <laughs> uh, they keep picking up stones to kill him. So they, they've experienced persecution. It's mostly been directed at Jesus himself. And Jesus says, here's the deal. I am physically checking out. And that persecution focus is about to swing over and, and fall on you. So if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. We, we, we tend to focus on ourselves an awful lot, right? And we, we don't involve and, and rely on Jesus in that experience. So I, I, I suffer physically. Oh. You know, it says natural. It's all about me. Water, help me, serve me, do things for me. And when it's long-term suffering or really nasty suffering, maybe suffering that maybe leads to my death, boy, we have that. And we start disconnecting from God. Well, wait a minute. Jesus know anything about suffering? Can he give you wisdom and, and uh, fellowship in that suffering? Can he come alongside you and, and be with you in that? For sure, for real. He says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. <coughs> but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. This is really cool. We talked last Sunday about status change, right? Jesus says, you're not just, you're not slaves and servants anymore alone. He says, now, now I call you my friends. Here's another status change. When you give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> as Savior and King, he comes and makes you his own child. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. One of the things is, 
he, he claims you as his own, and you are no longer of the world. <coughs> You're now his child. <clears throat> You're now part of another kingdom. You're taken from the kingdom of darkness, and you're brought into the kingdom of light. Now, do bells and whistles and all kinds of things go off in the natural realm? Does, does, do you walk into a dark room, you don't have to flip the light switch anymore? Okay, it's not like that, amen? So it's not, it's not physically apparent to us. But so many things change. Say that with me. So, so many, many things, things change. change. One of the huge ones is, you are no longer of the world. You don't belong to it. You don't love it, and it doesn't love you back. Where's my focus? <clears throat> my focus is on hanging on to my salvation, going to Jesus, doing all I can to help you come along for the ride, and looking forward to the perfect reward at the end. And this is not my home. This is not my world. I belong to another. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus says, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Makes sense. If they persecuted me, they will say with me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. these things they will do to you on account of my name. How important, how powerful is the name of Jesus? Is it still a curse word among the people who don't know Christ? What's one of their favorite things? Jesus. Why do they scream his name when they don't know who he is? It's because they're, even in the unbelievers, there's a strong sense of the power of his name and who he is. So it says, all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they, now say this with me, because they do not know him who sent me. Why do people go off on Christians? Why do they push back so hard on Christ and the Bible and his name and all that kind of stuff? Because they don't know the Father. We really need to keep this perspective in mind. Because the media is trying to train us up to be haters, to, to, to jump quickly to anger, to want to push back, and to want to just always judge and condemn the other side. Amen? Amen. That's a worldly perspective. It's not Christ. He says there's a reason that they're persecuting you. It's because they don't know the Father. So when somebody is, is dumping on me for my faith, first thing I'd be thinking is, they don't know the Father. That's why they're doing this. I need to pray for them. Amen? Amen. Or you say, love your enemies and pray for those who... Persecute you. What am I praying for? I'm praying, Father, help them to get to know you so they'll stop persecuting me so they'll get saved, transform their lives. Because them persecuting me is screaming loud and clear, I'm going to hell. Literally, if they're persecuting you because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
They're screaming and yelling, I'm going to hell, please help me. And if we push back with, we judge and, and shove them back, they're not going to get to know the Father. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is making it, he's spelling this out for, for them and for us. Verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Okay, we're going to do some stuff here. Are you ready, Lynn? I hope so. <laughs> um, there's stuff happening in the world. Persecution is on the increase. I mean, it goes up and down all the time through through life and stuff. Um, the first pick is uh, the Pope Gap. Can you expand that some, maybe? Can you get the go large and get right hand for you? Yeah, see, ball. No. That is large. That's as big as it gets. Okay. Uh, what do you notice about uh, the folks there? Who's in the middle? Pope Francis. Oh, I don't know if I want that. Do I want a card? I, I probably don't write it down on folks on the side. Folks on either side. But by their guard, you can tell what, what faith are they from. Muslim. Do they look happy? Yeah. They're signing a document together. Uh, in September, the seventh Congress, seven times they had, seventh Congress of leaders of world and traditional religions met in Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan. 108 religious leaders from 60 different countries met together for a two-day interfaith forum. In attendance were those from various religions, all coming together to show solidarity and unity. Say, hmm. The event culminated with the Human Fraternity Document, co-sponsored by Pope Francis, and Muhammad bin Zayed created for all to sign. Uh, if you can put the, the text. Got it? Yep, that one. <coughs> if you want to copy this, I can make it for you after church too, Grammy. Uh, here's a part of what the, the human, the document on human fraternity <coughs> says. They actually signed the original like three years ago, but that's continuing to be used. So here's just one piece from it. The lion's share of it is really nice. It talks about living together in peace. Uh, we're, all, we're all human beings. God made us all. Can't we just get along? It's really nice, okay stuff, really. And then there's a great paragraph about human life being holy and sanctified and anti-abortion. A really excellent paragraph on that. I'm all behind that. There's some stuff they're pushing. Uh, let's fix climate change quite a bit. I'm like... You know, let's not be doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's one of the topics. But, but here's here's the one thing that really stands out. It tells me I'm looking at this and I'm going, persecution's on the way, people. For anybody who stands and says Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, persecution's coming our way. And here's how I know it. Persecution coming from where? From world religions. From apparently the Pope and those who follow him blindly. Not every Catholic does. And it says right in this document. Freedom is a right of every person. Each individual enjoys the freedom of belief, thought, expression, and action. That's okay. But pluralism and the diversity of religions, hmm? diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God and his wisdom. Excuse me? The diversity of religions is willed by God in his wisdom? I'm sorry to tell you, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, we don't hate on anybody else. We're just saying, 
You don't know the Father. If you don't know Jesus and he's the only way, it's because you don't know the Father and you don't know Jesus. Let us introduce them to you. Pope Francis ought to be visiting with the Muslims and saying, you have a clue about Jesus, but you're wrong about him. You say he's one of the prophets. You say that he never died on the cross. He never rose from the grave. He's not the only son of the living God. He's not the only one by whom he might be saved. Let me, let me share the true Jesus with you. Because your Quran was written 600 years later and doesn't have any clue about the true Jesus. It's wrong. It's a lie. And you're going to hell because you've got the wrong Jesus and you don't have the true Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the Pope ought to be sharing with these folks. What's he sharing with them? We all have the same God. We can all get along. Diversity of religions is God's plan. It is not. That is a terrible lie. And it's not helping anybody go to heaven. In fact, it's helping a lot of people go to the wrong place. Okay, so the world looks at that picture, the Pope and the, and the Muslim guys signing a document together and saying, we're all going to get along, we're going to cooperate, and diversity of religions is just fine too. Right? The world sees that. What does the world say? Isn't that nice? Isn't This document, uh, we'll, I'll, we'll get that. go ahead and play with that line and see if we can get it bigger. But. So this document um, on human fraternity, the United yeah. Nations has signed on and said no, this is a really good thing. as big as it's going to get. What does that tell you? The European Union has signed on and said this is a really good thing. President Biden, on the anniversary yeah, of signing this year, February 4th, President Biden said this is a really good thing. Did you, did you know that President Biden... Said anything about it? Did you know about these meetings that every year that we don't know this stuff? It's going on right under our noses. Nobody reports about it. So this is a part of this whole uh, cooperative agreement between Pope Francis and, and the Muslims leadership. Those are high-ranking, world high-ranking Muslim leaders, by the way. Okay, they one of them has written a check. One of the Muslim leaders, you know, oil has written a check to to fund this whole thing. And they're building right now in, um, I want to say Abu Dhabi, over there in the Middle East. They're building this right now. They call it the Abrahamic Family House. So there's three buildings. One of them is, is a mosque. One of them is a synagogue. And another one is a church. So we can all learn about each other's worship and each other's God. Well, it's Abrahamic, right? Because we all agree on the first five books. Even Muslims say the first five books are scripture. So we all have this similar foundation, right? What happened to those foundations? If you don't end up with Jesus as the Messiah of God for salvation, then your destination went off on the wrong path. There's a fourth building. They don't show it here in the picture. There's a fourth building we built. It's the education center. So whichever brand of these religions you are, you can go to the education center and learn about the others. Now, it's interesting. You go through into the website deeper, and you, uh, I'll show you a picture of the inside of each of these three buildings. Uh, yeah, keep going, maybe. I don't know if it's on here. Yeah, stop there. 
So on the right, you can, that's the inside of the Christian one. They have a cross there at the, at the back, right? I really wonder, these are being built right now. I really, really wonder if there's going to be a cross in there. I really wonder. Because uh, do the Jews want to learn about the cross? Unbelieving Jews, no. Do the Muslims want to see a cross? No. So I really wonder if that's going to end up in that, that Christian church or not. But you look at all this stuff and you say, well, Pastor Joe, you're, you're, you're making a big deal out of not so much. The world is on board with this. Everyone's <clears throat> on board. European, everybody's on board with it. Um, study Revelation. Study the end time stuff. The Antichrist is going to use a world church. The Bible calls it Babylon. It's going to be false religions all come together under one roof. And the Antichrist is going to use that. And it's people who will take the mark. It's people who will not stand for the Lord Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior. This kind of stuff is totally setting up to be a puppet for the Antichrist. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying, this is here. And the Pope signed up, not just signed up, the Pope helped create the whole thing. So it's big time there. And so we're looking at John chapter 15, and we're going, yeah, you know, persecution. We're starting to feel it. We aren't feeling much. We are, there's pockets in America where you can feel it really intensely, but we're pretty protected. We've got a bubble going on here, amen? It's nice to live in the bubble. See, it's nice to live in the bubble. It's, it's nice to live in the bubble. bubble. So when persecution finally comes our way, dribbles down to, to rural America like here, it's going to be pretty intense by then. Back to John chapter 15, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, let's talk about the ones who resisted and refused to believe. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. So he's not saying that they were sinless and didn't need, didn't need a savior. He's saying, I came as Messiah and revealed God the Father to them in the flesh and by my direct words. And so now they, they can't say, well, I never, I never, I never knew about that. I never encountered your word and truth and so Jesus. And now they don't have an excuse. They hung out with me for three years. This has all been straight up front. Verse 323. Whoever hates me, oof, I'm using the word hating again. Say this sentence with me. Whoever hates me, Hates my, my father, father also. Verse 24. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, special miracles and stuff, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. What did they see Jesus do? Well, they saw him do miraculous works of love. Feeding thousands of hundred people. Healing every single uh, disease and demon-possessed person that was brought to him. Just raising people from the dead. A widow has taken her only son out to the cemetery. Jesus walks by and says, nah, no, get up, live again. I'm, I'm restoring you to your mother. What did they see Jesus do? They saw Jesus act out in the love of the Father in phenomenal, miraculous ways. And they still hated him. And God says, you 
are without excuse. Verse 25, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. It's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense. But then we know that the heart can be deceptive of the law things. Amen. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, oh, good news. Helper. Who, who are we talking about here? Who's the helper? Who's the advocate? Jesus. Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Because persecution ends up placing us in a situation we not, might not be in a courtroom and stand before the judge and have to raise our hand for what in the Bible and promise to tell the truth. But when persecution comes, you're in a courtroom and you have opportunity to testify. And that's your moment to either testify truth, Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, he's the only one and he's my Lord. Or you have opportunity to testify to a lie or give it up or say, well, you know, it's really not that big a deal. You're getting all upset about me. Jesus, come on. That's our chance. But it's an opportunity to testify. It's a courtroom. That's why there's very specific language, vocabulary being used here. The Spirit of truth who, will, who proceed in the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is always testifying about Jesus and the truth of God's word. Verse 27, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Sometimes the Lord has to be just really direct and straight up and just lay it on the line. If you want to follow me, if you want to have salvation in me, then you will be persecuted. And there will be times coming you have to make a decision and a choice to testify. He says, in that moment, he's telling the disciples, be ready. I need you to stand up and testify. He's saying the same thing to you and me today. We got it pretty easy right now. Times are getting tougher. I don't know how soon, how close we are to the, the end, end, end things. I don't know. But even if we aren't into that in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, this country is going against Christ and against his word. If you need evidence, check out the election. Our nation can't, there were some of those races, unbelievable that those candidates won those races, unbelievable. Sold out, sold out for the devil in their stands. It was it Montana or Wyoming? They had a proposed law that would, would uh, the law would be that if you're an abortion provider and you perform an abortion and you botch it and the baby actually comes out and is alive, the law would say you have to give aid to that baby to help it live. They voted down that law. It was close, but it failed. It failed in America. A law failed to protect the baby that manages somehow to survive an abortion. God Almighty, I can't even ask for mercy. I can't. God, we deserve judgment. It's time to testify. When it comes to you and me, we need to testify. You also, Jesus, it will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1. I've said all these things to you 
Say with me. To, to keep, keep you from falling away. away. Now, if the disciples didn't know that this hard persecution was coming, if it just kind of snuck up and bam, there it was, might have caught them off guard. Jesus says, here's the deal. I'm telling you ahead of time, so when it happens, you can be prepared to do what? Stand for me and testify. I don't want you falling away. I need you to stand. This needs to be our prayer and our personal commitment. God, I'm going to stand, and I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to strengthen my faith now and the days going forward, so when this these kinds of moments come, I'll be ready to stand. That needs to be done. If you're sitting here this morning, oh, I can never do that. Okay? It's not about you. Start praying. Holy Spirit, grow me, strengthen me, make me a warrior for Christ, so that when it comes, I will be able to stand. The power of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm for Jesus. No kidding. If you're sitting here this morning like, oh, I can never do it. Yes, you can. And you better commit to it now and ask God's help now to prepare you for that moment. That's what Jesus is doing with the disciples. He's preparing them for the moment in advance. Start getting ready. Say that with me. Start getting ready. Say it with me again. Start getting ready. Verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. They'll kick you out of church. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's been going on for 2,000 years, and it's still going on. They will do these things, say with me, because they have not known the Father nor me. Coming back to what's the deal here? They're doing it because they don't know the Father. So this needs to continue to be our focus. Verse 4, but I have said these things to you. That when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I'm going to close with a, an example from Jesus Freaks, Modern Day Martyrs. This one is not a martyr, close. It happened 10 years ago in India. Um, RAFLC, our Free Lutheran Congregations Association, we have missionaries in India. It's becoming very, very um, scary and dangerous to be a Christian in India. Happened in 2012. Raj, I couldn't eat. All I could do was sit and What's wrong? His wife asked. Why are you not eating? Raj, I looked into his wife's eyes and then lowered them. A young man came into our village today. He was handing out pamphlets telling people about the Christian God. He has been here before, was told not to return, but he did. When we saw him, we, were, we grew so angry that he would come again against our wishes. Some of them had been drinking and things got out of control. We are a Hindu village, they told him. Don't try to bring your Jesus here. Then things turn violent. Okay? So we're describing Rajai and people in this village, and they don't know the Father, and they don't know Jesus. He was beaten seriously. When he passed out, we took his body outside of town and threw him into a deep ditch. He looked up into his wife's eyes. I've never felt so guilty in my life. He was innocent, and we have beaten him and left him for dead. She said, then you must go to him. If he is still alive, you must bring him here. You will have brought the wrath of his God upon us. Rajai didn't want to go. But finally, his wife's insistence and his regret went out. He left his food and went to find the young man. Found him where he and his others had dropped him some five hours earlier. It was dark. There was no one to help him. 
So he climbed into the hole and found the young man barely able to ask for water to relieve his thirst. Raja lifted him onto his shoulders and carried him to his house. They learned his name was Sutta. Rajai's wife washed the blood off Sutta's face, gave him what medical attention she could. Finally, the young man fell asleep. Why didn't you come back here? Rajai's wife asked Sutta the next morning. I came to tell you about Jesus, Sutta replied. The Jesus who healed sick people, who helped the poor and delivered them. Her sister-in-law had been sick for months with no relief. Can you pray for her? She asked Sutta. Can your Jesus help? I will pray, Sutta said. Jesus will do his work. I'm just a simple man. I'm here to pray in the name of Jesus. Okay? Do you have to have a four-year degree in seminary to get this stuff right? Please, people, just tell them how amazing Jesus is. And just tell them, I'm a simple man. I'm a simple woman. I will pray and let Jesus do his work. That's all there is to it. So wonderful. I will let him do his work. Then he told them about who Jesus was and what he had come to the earth to do. When the sister-in-law came for prayer, Suda told her about Jesus as well and then prayed for her. After two days, her illness was gone. Say glory. This is happening a lot. God's doing a lot of miracle healings in India. Um, he's confirming the truth of the gospel. <clears throat> the news of the healing spread throughout the village. The men who had attacked Sutta came to Rajai's house to ask Sutta's forgiveness. We were wrong, they said. You were preaching the true God, but we thought it was a foreign God. Please forgive us. We didn't know. <clears throat> we persecuted you and almost killed you because we didn't know that you were telling us about the true God. We've never known the true God. Forty people became Christians that day. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Suda now pastors a church in that village. If I had not gone for preaching, I would not have gotten persecuted, Suda said. But I did, and now there is one more church. Glory to God. I'm going to pray. And we're going to pray. As Jesus uh, taught and shared with the disciples, we're going to pray in that, in that mode. Okay? Because it's happening now. Mighty God... Our nation is, is not just falling away from you, it's leaping off a cliff away from you. Persecution is on the increase. The push <coughs> and the pain and the difficulty is on the increase. We're in a pretty safe bubble here, but God is coming. There's more and more stuff right here. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would release and pour into us now the love of Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5.5. 5. Romans 5.5, 5, your word says that the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So everybody say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, more love, God. More love for you. More love for our neighbors. More love for those who persecute us because they don't know you. God, make us like Sutta, willing to, to be beaten and left for dead on the chance that somebody might hear about Jesus, the true God, they might get to know you, Father. They might get to know you, Jesus. They might get saved. But God, here's the thing. We've had life really easy and cushy and safe and comfortable. And the enemy right now is wanting to say, oh, be scared. You could never stand up with that. You could never testify. That's a lie. So God, we're praying right now in Jesus' name. If our faith is so small, and so comfort-laden 
that we don't want to hear this message, then God forgive us. We repent of it in Jesus' name. Instead, we receive it like the disciples received it. We take it to heart and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Build our faith. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our love for the lost to the point that we are willing to testify even in the face of our lives being in danger. We are willing to testify of Jesus. Testify of the true God who is his Father. God, grow us up. Strengthen us, empower us, make us warriors in the right way, warriors of love for the lost. And God, we're going to leave it to you, whether you give us personally, individually, opportunities to testify like this. We're going to leave that to you. We're going to trust it to you. And if that comes our way, God, you are going to prepare us for that moment to stand and testify for Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We glorify your name. And we want to be counted among your children, among your soldiers, among those willing to testify. We want to hear from you someday, even if we go through really, really hard things. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Powerful hymn. It's number 650. This is part of our testimony.